and welcome along to Property Development Live. My name is Paul Merrick. With me today, I have... Martin Davis. And Margaret Ann Merrick. And a subject that I've been looking forward to covering for some time on the podcast, and something that not everyone sees as relevant to property, but in our 25 years in property development and in the property business, we've proved time and time again that it may be one of the most relevant things in property, which is talking about marketing and talking about sales and talking about networking. So all of us round the table have our own background and expertise in these various matters. Myself, I started life as a poor salesman selling vehicles and selling plant. And it was a great background I discovered to coming into property. I never realized the amount of transferable skills that a salesman would have in building houses or building commercial buildings or dealing with tenants. But it's been invaluable. In fact, it's been the basis of my business is my sales ability, my ability to talk to another person and convince them that our product is the product or service that they need. And that's true of of every part of property. Um, Yes, I think a lot of people get confused about what marketing is and what it has the potential to be. And when you speak to people in property, at first they think, it's not relevant to them. But actually, there are three products, if you like, that they have to sell. They have themselves as individuals, they have their company, and they have their property. So there are three different approaches that you can have because you have three different areas to sell. And if you think about the media who you're targeting, then their purpose is also threefold, to educate, to inform, or to entertain. And you need to meet one of those needs for the media to secure coverage. And there are a few different ways that you can do that. It may seem as though it's an accident what ends up on your front page or what ends up on the home page of a news website or what ends up on a radio program or TV news. But it isn't. There's a science behind it, shall we say. But that science is accessible to most people. You just need to schedule the time and put the effort in. And one of the first things to do is to think about how you can humanize whatever it is that you're doing and present that to the necessary media people. So if you're taking yourself as your first product to market, then you need to look at what your skills are and what you can bring to your local media, for example which may be your expertise in a certain area, or what you can often bring to your local media is actually just your locality. The fact that you're based there is something that makes you attractive to them. If you look at a property, then you have to find what makes that property unique, what the interesting story is that people can relate to on an emotional level. That will help them then to buy into your journey with that property and also to see themselves in that property. I think one of the things you're saying that's very interesting, Margaret Ann, is the is the first product is yourself. Um, I think people get obsessed about you know what product they're they're selling. Well, you know, particularly in property, they get very obsessed about the property. You know, I am selling a three bedroom flat, or I am selling a four bedroomed house, and actually, people buy from people, and people buy people, and this idea that you hand it over to an expert salesperson who is an estate agent can quite often 
lose your sales. In fact, Martin, I think you have some direct experience of that recently. Yes, indeed. Um, trying to sell a flat in London. And there were there were two situations where we let a prospective buyer go, and I won't go into the detail behind it, but it was precisely because if I had actually been and had the conversation with the actual buyer rather than going through the estate agent, I would have taken a completely different view to an issue that he had and the estate agent didn't handle it very well. And he took the view that it was I was one of a number. So yeah, sometimes I think they don't they don't believe in building the relationship and pursuing their potential buyer to the end. I think one of the things I learned in sales when I was very young is that people buy people. So three salespeople can come to your house to sell you double glazing. And all three will be very good at what they do and they'll they'll have essentially the same double glazing. And, you know, you'll sit down with your partner, your wife or your husband after you spoke to the three salespeople and you will find a reason to buy the double glazing from the one that you liked, the one that you trusted. That's who you'll buy from. And even if that one turns out to be a little bit more expensive, inside your own head, whether you believe it or not, and science has proved this, inside your own head, you will justify why you want to pay that little bit more. And you will say, oh, it's a slightly better quality double glazing, or I trust that they are going to do the job better. You have no proof they're ever going to do the job better, but you presume, because you trust the salesperson, that they will do the job better. So people buy people. And in 25 years, we have never bought off of an estate agent or sold through one. I sell to people, and people buy from me. And I buy from people, and people sell to me. And the key to that is partly because, yes, the price is right, the product's right. You'll, You'll never sell the wrong product to the wrong person, and you never should. But mainly, they buy because they know, like, and trust the person that's selling them whatever the product is. So you'll never sell a five-bedroomed house to someone who's looking for a two-bedroomed house. But if that person looks at five two-bedroom houses, if you do your job really well as a communicator, as a marketer, and as a salesperson, they'll buy from you. I think that ties in nicely, Martin, to your background, which is about building those relationships in a business network. Yes, I spent... a a lifetime working for IBM in sales. And I learned something very early on, and that is they're hunters and they're farmers when it comes to selling. I'm a farmer, and indeed the whole style of selling within IBM was farming. Building relationships was the key thing because these are people you're going to be going out there and getting them to buy from you over a period of years. So when I left IBM... starting my own business, what I found was I missed the community of like-minded people within IBM and so tried to create that within a world of people running small businesses, sole traders, as I was. And that's when I kind of did this formal business networking stuff. And business networking is relatively easy to understand what it is, but it can be quite difficult to do it. So it's not selling. It's all about making friends in business. 
And when you have the friends, when you have the relationship, then selling comes on after that. So the interesting thing is why do people network? And I think that what I found back in 2004 setting up my networking business is that people were sort of wanting it as a route to market. This is the way that they could actually get business referrals. But increasingly what I've found is people network for support and to get advice. And I think that is especially the case, if I can relate that to the property world, because you're trying to build, in many cases, you're trying to build a team of people whether they be suppliers or um, people who know stuff that you want to uh, get get advice about, or you know you're actually wanting to get quotes to buy services to recruit both tradespeople and professional people, and doing it through your network is a much more comforting thing to do. And the one other area which I certainly sort of had had a bit of experience is is getting people to invest money in you and your projects. Um, And I remember when I sort of first met Paul, Paul, you said to me, what is really interesting about you, Martin, is you managed to get people to invest quite a large chunk of money, about a million pounds in you and your projects. And I hadn't really thought about it, to be honest, uh, as anything very special. But I reflected on that, and it was actually because one had gone out to, some of them were existing relationships, and some are relationships I had built. And it was all about building the relationship first. Paul made the, use the phrase, no like, and trust. And it's absolutely that. You have to go through the process, and it takes a while to build trust and it's only when you have the trust in other people that you kind of allow them to come to you and say, how do I get involved? That's what happened to me in, in, in raising money. So I suppose business networking is you have to decide why you want to do it. It's decide what sort of friends in business you want to make and then how you go about actually sort of building the relationships with those people. Oh, and here's one last thing. Uh, Never be afraid to ask for referrals. What most people perceive is that you have to do that up close and personal. You know, you have to do that through a network meeting or you have to do that through an event where you're physically meeting new people. And that's not true. I mean, that's where marketing comes in. You can build your brand, what people perceive you as, long before they meet you, through your brand, through your business brand, through your own personal brand. Those two things are very, very different. I have a different business brand than my personal brand. And you will find that lots of people do. Whereas if you take someone famous like Richard Branson, he merges both his personal brand and his business brand. But other people choose to have a personal brand, which is one thing, and a business brand, which is another. They're not opposite or different to each other but they're not merged together. So it's really interesting that you can build this perception of yourself or your business or a combination of both long before people meet you. And again, that falls into Margaret Ann's experience and expertise. It's true. 
if you're trying to build a brand, you have to actually drill down to what's important to you or to your business if you're building separate brands or indeed if you're building a brand together because it's about establishing your unique selling point. So it's what you're bringing to the market that's different from everyone else. It's also about bringing value. I think sometimes we can view marketing as being very transactional in a way where we are wanting to get as much out of it as possible. And actually, you have to come from the other side and say, why should people, why should people help you? Why should a newspaper cover what you're doing? Why should a customer choose your product over another product? And you have to have faith and you have to have integrity about what it is that you're actually offering. And I think some people shy away from marketing because they don't want to put themselves under that type of scrutiny. They don't want to seriously assess the value that they're bringing to their area of expertise, to their property, to their business. Because they're worried that if they look too closely behind the curtain, they don't have anything to offer. But I have worked in marketing and communications for over 25 years, and I've never met a business or a person that hasn't had something to offer. So it really is worth taking the time to differentiate yourself from others in the market, to see what your values are, to see what skills or expertise that you're bringing, and then to take that knowledge into building a relationship. So if we look at through local media, for example, then you would find the journalist who is most relevant to the field where you want to achieve coverage. And having been a journalist and a PR, having been on both sides of that relationship, one of the best things that you can do is to provide a complete package. So if you phone up a journalist and say, oh, I have a property, do you want to do a story on me? That's too vague. It doesn't differentiate you. It doesn't explain why they should give you the time. But also, you're offering them an opportunity to work as opposed to an opportunity to fill their page or fill their radio show or fill their TV show. So what you want to bring to them is a package they can use. So you want to think about who they can interview, so if that's yourself, or maybe it's someone else in your business. So you want to have your profile ready to give them. If it's a newspaper, you want to think about the photographs you can offer them. You want to think about your availability. So you're presenting them with information and a press release that ultimately they can use without having to put too much effort, too much time, too much work into it. And that's very important, especially the way that the media has been cut back in, over the last decade. And I think that message has to be simple. I, I think when people start to think about this stuff, you know, what is my message in? And what is my value proposition and what am I bringing to the market? They can get overwhelmed and they can think about way too many things. They can get very, very confused and they can say, I don't know. And and what they start to do is what I call me too business. Me too business is when you look at someone else and you think, well, if I do what they do, they seem to look quite successful. So I should be successful too. That's probably not true. Firstly, they are very good at what they do and they're already in the marketplace and secondly, you're always playing catch up. You will always look like the copycat. I do see a huge amount of that in property. The me too business principle. I can do that as well. You don't want to do something as well. Firstly, you want to do it better, not as well. And secondly, you want to do it differently. And when you're thinking about your value proposition, you know, what do I bring to you? 
It should be very simple. You should be able to remember it every day. You should be able to remember it every moment of every day. And you shouldn't have to look at the 500 pages that you wrote. My value proposition is very, very simple. I will bring you, as my customer, always more value than cost. Always will I bring you more value than cost. It's a very simple proposition. But if I keep that at the forefront of my mind at all times, every time I'm dealing with a customer, am I bringing more value than cost? Then it's a very easy thing to follow through on. Whereas if you have a big, huge mission statement that tells the customer the 4,000 things that you're going to do for them, you'll forget 3,999 of those. But if you have one value proposition and really believe that and really focus on it and have it in the forefront of your mind every time you deal with a customer, then you will have customers that you choose, not customers that choose you. There's a concept, isn't it? I don't want to have customers who choose me, who decide or decide not to buy off me today. I want customers who I choose, who I choose as my customers. There's a great book that talks about a chap who had a printing company and he had about 80% of his customers were never really satisfied with his product or service and made small orders and made a lot of complaints. And he had about 20% of his customers who made big orders and made very little complaints. And eventually one day he said, you know what, I am going to sack the 80%. I am going to go back to these 80% of customers and say, we don't want your business, thank you very much. And I'm going to focus all my efforts and all my energies into the 20%. The 20% who give him the big orders and didn't complain. And what he was able to do when he did that was make the 20% even happier than they already were because he was focusing all of his energies on them and make them not just customers, make them fans. If you can turn a customer into a fan, that customer will be with you for a very long time. And you know, your marketing budget will be very, very little because they will market you. So you only need one real good customer. And when it comes back to the marketing that Margaret Ann's talking about, you don't need to market to 4,000 people. If you market to 40 and turn that into 10% and have four very loyal customers, those four very loyal customers, nay, not customers, but fans, will do most of your marketing for you. Martin. Yes, it's the concept of how big a market do you actually really want. And uh, I think I discovered the idea of niche very early on. Over the years, that niche, certainly when I had the networking business, got smaller and smaller and smaller as one got clearer and clearer about the sort of people that you we really wanted to do business with. And the thing that I like about what you've just said, Paul, is this business of qualifying people out, having a crystal clear view of what your ideal customer really is and all the attributes. So because those that's the person that you can deliver maximum value to, and this clarity will help you succeed. And um, I think... That's true. And one of the parts of marketing that can be confusing is people sometimes see it as being, you know, creative and airy fairy. But actually, 
it is about maximizing efficiency. It is about drilling down into the numbers. It's about identifying where you can put in least effort for maximum results. And that applies to which media you would target. It applies to if you were having a leafleting or flyering campaign, which demographic you would target. And it's actually worthwhile, I can't stress enough how worthwhile it is to put in the research to identify who your customer is, where they are, what their spend points are, and from a media point of view, to plan out a media schedule. So you're not being reactive all the time. You're not dropping stuff onto a journalist's desk and expecting them to be able to run with it. You're actually planning, I know I want to have a story in a month's time because that's when this development's going to be finished. So I'll contact the journalist now. I will flag up. I'm going to be able to give them an interview. I'm going to be able to give them photographs. And then they can start to schedule it in. And you can actually work together because you're helping the journalist to fill their page or their radio show or their TV show. And they're helping you by giving you publicity. And again, you want to look at return on investment. So you may have to put in some time to do the research to identify the best media to target. But you can also see what a corresponding advert would cost compared to the coverage that you would get from your press release. It should be worthwhile to put in that time. You will always earn more back from a well-positioned press release than you will have spent on your own time to have it positioned there. You have a lot of expertise, believe it or not, in this little podcast when it comes to marketing, when it comes to networking, and when it comes to direct sales, good old-fashioned direct sales. And one of the things I want you to think about when you're listening to these podcasts is what you can learn from these podcasts. Because we are doing a sale with you here today. We are selling you this podcast. We are saying to you that this podcast, these people, are the type of expertise that you need. It's a brilliant sale, this one, because it costs you nothing at all, other than your time. A little bit of time to listen to our podcasts will learn you an awful lot. Now, I know there's lots of courses out there and there's lots of media out there that will teach you all that we are going to teach you, but probably cost you hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of pounds. On Property Development Live, the Facebook page, the YouTube channel, and of course the podcast, everything is free. The only thing that we asked you for is your time and of course your support. If you can support our network and make what we do, what we give our time up for, absolutely free of charge, worthwhile to us, then we will keep giving you more. Margaret Ann calls this my third most expensive hobby. My first most expensive hobby is cars. My second is watches. Yes, I'm very much a stereotypical male, especially from the East End of Glasgow. But my third is now equipment to bring you this. And why do we do that? We do that because all of us around this table, through networking, through our media career, or through my sales career, in my property career, have had a great deal from other people. We've had not one mentor. I'm sure Margaret Ann has had tens of mentors, and I've had hundreds of mentors, and Martin's had thousands of mentors, I'm sure. That just reflects in our age, I think. Why we do this? We do this because we want to be a resource. We want to help you to move forward. And you can do that, and you can help the guys move forward by supporting them by joining the Facebook page, by joining the YouTube channel, and by joining us here on Property Development Live 
podcast every week. Do you see, that's a sale. That's a straightforward sale. I made a straightforward, honest sale plea to you to buy our free product. I said to you, we are going to bring you more value than cost. All of my simple, straightforward principles have been with me in business for almost 40 years. Whether it's this podcast, whether it's my property business with my tenants and with the properties we've developed, or whether it's any other business I've ever been involved in. One simple principle. I am going to bring you more value than cost. On the podcast, on the YouTube channel, and of course, on the Facebook, the cost is zero other than your time and hopefully your support. But I'm still making a sale. I think it's a very convincing sale. I think it says we have something to give to you that's of great value. And all we're asking back for is a little bit of support and a little bit of time. But it is a sale. Now think about in your business how you could pitch your product, your service, or yourself in a way that's that simple. It's very interesting. When um, Paul first raised the idea of Property Development Live with me, it it took a, a moment, if I'm honest, quite a long moment, to get my head around this. So I said, let me get this right. What we're going to do is we're going to build up a resource which is a free resource at considerable detail and we're going to give it away on Facebook, on YouTube. And he said, yep, that's the idea. That's the one. And and the more I thought about it and more I let the whole thing sort of get inside my head, I thought it's fantastic because it does actually allow us to be completely unbiased in advice and, well, not just advice, it's actually just experience, both both our experience, and I really mean sort of Paul's experience, but there's a whole range of stuff actually getting inside real live developers going through real live challenges and how they actually overcome them and the sort of things that they do. I found that a really interesting broadcast to take part in and podcast to take part in. Um, I hope you found it interesting to listen to. I hope you've learned a little bit more about the individuals involved in Property Development Live podcast. And as we go through the weeks and months ahead, we'll do individual interviews with each of the people involved in Property Development Live. If you go back to our past catalogue, you will see that there's interviews with myself and with some of the developers. And as we move forward, we'll learn more about Margaret Ann and more about Martin. And you will learn what a real resource we are trying to bring to you of years and years of experience in business, in journalism, in PR, and of course, most importantly to you, in property. I'd just like to say goodbye to the guys, Martin. Goodbye. And I would just like to thank you guys for the opportunity to talk a bit about where I've been coming from. It's been very interesting sort of understanding a bit about sort of what makes you guys tick and what your expertise is and the motivations behind Property Development Live. And Margaret Ann. I very much enjoyed this podcast too. It's been fascinating to learn more about Martin's background and about the ethos and values actually that bind all three of us even though we come from very different backgrounds demographics um so we'll be here on the property development live podcast every thursday and i hope that you will join us we'll see you soon from property development live goodbye